Bajan Explorin was captured and framed in 22 chapters in publication 282 and ventilated in podcast 149 in ISBN 9798-88627-5858. Since my view of cognitive science is to understand the principles of intelligence, cognitive development, and interpret how I think, explore, and figure things out such as navigating according to aib.edu.au, cognitive bias, how it affects us all, and how cognitive science has neglected culture as purported by plato.sanford.edu. It is my intention to develop intelligent devices with the hope that this will lead to a better comprehension of the mind and learning how to flesh out a Bayesian exploring. Plausibly, the development of knowledge skills, problem-solving, and dispositions will assist me to think about and understand the world around me and, by extension, inspire me to rationalize, contextualize, and interpret a Bayesian exploring. Historically, it is reported that the cognitive sciences began as an intellectual movement in the 1950s and is often referred to as the Cognitive Revolution. All things being equal, contextually speaking, my analysis of the social construct culture as espoused by nature.beerly.edu unequivocally differences between people within any given nation or culture are much greater than differences between groups. Education, social standing, religion, personality, belief structure, past experience, affection shown in the home, and a myriad of other factors will affect human behavior and culture. Culture is very important to our society. According to Ontario.ca, its intrinsic value Culture provides important social and economic benefits. With improved learning and health, increased tolerance and opportunities to come together, individuals and communities. This thinking has certainly shaped and influenced my approach to this conversation, a Bajan exploring. The same supports and legitimizes my perspective since I am a Bayesian who embraces the concept that exploration gives me the sense that anything is possible which suggests that something may happen, on the other hand, plausibly implies that my hypothesis and statement sounds logical and may well be true. In this ambience, exploration leads to knowledge and understanding and means that we global citizens make the world a better place as we explore. For example, people in general, including Bajans, have always tried to leave the world a better place for future generations. However, we must be cognizant of the fact that according to LISBDNET.com, global citizens consciously and unconsciously have motives that spur them to examine their environment. Explorations have changed over time because exploration has continually shaped our world. A case in point, new technology also paved the way for European voyages and exploration. Better maps showed the directions of ocean currents and lines of latitude. Inventions like the astrolabe and magnetic compass improve navigation. Historically, according to Wikipedia, exploration is the act of searching for the purpose of discovery of information or resources. 
especially in the context of geography or space rather than research and development that is usually not centered on earth sciences or astronomy. This ethos brings into focus the fact that it is often written that natural and man-made dust and pollution cause colorful sunrises and sunsets. Indeed, the brilliant twilight afterglows that follow major volcanic eruptions owe their existence to the ejection of small particles high into the atmosphere of the geocultural space. Etymologically speaking, the word explore since 1580s to investigate, examine, a back information from exploration, or else from French explorer, the 16th century, from Latin explorer, investigate, search out, examine, explore, said to be originally a hunter's term meaning to weep, cry, compare, deplore. Meaning to go to a country or place in quest of discoveries is first attested. 1610. The emerging cognitive science of culture has been informing philosophical debates. It is because of the aforesaid admission and line of reasoning that I am inspired to explore a Bayesian exploring. Now that I have established context, it should be noted that although the phrase a Bayesian exploring is a theoretical expression and theoretical reason which tries to assess the way things are. Yet, the practical reason decides how the world should be and what individuals should do on the other side. I come to this discourse with a cognitive bias because I am a Bayesian who embraces the concept that exploration gives me a Bayesian, the sense that anything is possible, which suggests that something may happen and, on the other hand, plausibly implies that my hypothesis and statement songs logical and may well be true and therefore exploration leads to knowledge and understanding. This theoretical submission is predicated on the doctrine of culture, cinematography, cognitive science, cognitive bias, exploration and photography. These doctrines are the tools employed to analyze, investigate, study, explore, to seek evidence and or data, especially animals, environment, flora, fruit, landscape, people, plants, sea, sunsets, trees and waves within the precincts of Barbados cultural geographical space. I must confess that my cognitive development as an author, cinematographer, media art specialist, licensed cultural practitioner, podcaster, and a publisher, linguistically and metaphorically, is a vehicle which is part of the process how I think, explore, and figure things out makes it logical for me to assume that according to Miriam Webster Online Dictionary, it is the development of knowledge, skills, problem-solving, and dispositions which assisted me to think about and understand the world around me through various lens and also work in tandem with my brain development which is also part of cognitive development and to also flesh out a Bayesian exploring. According to science.com, humans can enjoy almost every aspect of flowering plants. Their fragrances and colors are stimulating to the senses. They produce abundant food from most every part and many flowering plants even have medicinal properties. Flowering trees produce wood for crafting and building. In the scheme of things, according to Jehon Marcelo Robazzi Bengnelli, Valente Aguitar, Martin Gufa, and Marlies Sazima Intraspecific fluorocolor polymorphism is a common trait of food deceptive orchids which lure 
pollinators with variable attractive signals without providing food resources. The variable signals are thought to hinder avoidance, learning of deceptive flowers by pollinators. Many insects act as efficient pollinators because of their remarkable capacities to learn and memorize flower features associated with nectar and pollen reward. These capacities underlie flower consistency, the ability to remain focused on a single flower species during forgering, as long as it remains profitable. They play a fundamental role in mutualistic relationship between insect pollinators and flowers as they ensure the collection of food and fertilization of flowers. Yet, what happens when one of the partners does not support a mutualistic interaction? A paradigmatic example of this situation is the so-called deceptive pollination, which occurs when flowers that do not provide food resources lure insect visitors by means of attractive sensor cues. This phenomenon is common among orchids, in which a third of the species deceive their pollinators using diverse mechanisms. The most common one is termed generalized food deception. In this case, flowers present floral signals, for example, visual olfactory, that are attractive to a large number of floral visitors. Generalized food deception is usually associated with intraspecific flower color, which is thought to be advantageous for deceptive plants, as it may impede the learning of a specific color as a predictor of the absence of resources by pollinators. Heinrich's hypothesis. Orchids, like all plants, need a balance of light, air, water, and food to grow and flower well. For example, ground orchid, also called Philippine ground orchid, or large purple orchid, is a common plant with a swollen stem base and advantageous roots can be found in many Bajan gardens. Ground orchids need a good peat-based, well-drained organic soil mix, but they are fairly adaptable. At the end of the day, these grown orchids make a great addition to any tropical domestic garden because they require only minimal care and provide an easy introduction to the world or orchid growing for beginners. According to lifeplant.blogspot.com, plants are often used as a tool for ceremonial purposes, as artistic media to express indigenous traditions, or as herbal remedies or hallucinogenics to fulfill cultural needs and expectations. Culturally significant plants grow on all continents and are used by all ethnicities. For example, according to onlinelibrary.wiley.com, Antigon leptos, commonly known as coral vine, queen's reef, coralita, cardina de amor in the Philippines, bee bush in many Caribbean islands, is a species of florin plant in the buckwheat family, is a perennial that is native to Mexico. It is a vine with pink or white flowers. This plant is listed as a category two invasive exotic by Florida's Pest Plant Council. According to wikipedia.org, Bougainvillea is a genius of thorny ornamental vines. It is a native to eastern South America, found from Brazil, west to Peru, and south to southern Argentina. Different authors accept from 4 to 18 species in the genus. The inflorescence consists of large, colorful, sepal-like bracts, which surround three simple waxy flowers. The species grow 1 to 12 meters, or 3 to 39 feet tall, scrambling over other plants with their spiky thorns.
According to Kathleen O'Grady, tiny, feisty, rufous hummingbirds are known for their long migrations, which take them up and down the length of North America each year. Now they have a new claim to fame. They can keep track of particularly juicy flowers depending on where they appear. First, second, or even fourth in a line of blooms. Although this understanding of numerical order may sound simple, it's a complex skill that may help hummingbirds remember the easiest routes between nectar-rich flowers. It's also the first time researchers have seen the ability in a wild vertebrate. It's really impressive study, says Stuart Watson, an animal cognition researcher at the University of Zurich, who was not involved with the work. Lots of animals can count and some can understand how things fit together in a sequence. For example, rats, guppies and monkeys trained in a lab can all use sequences to find food. But this doesn't tell us whether or how wild animals might use that ability in a natural setting. So, Susan Healy, a biologist at the University of St. Andrews, and colleagues turned to Rufus hummingbirds. The rust-colored males of the species, which weigh less than a nickel and are just 8 centimeters long, have well-defined feeding territories and excellent memories of what's on their turf. They would never lose the car in the car park. Healy says the birds also use efficient routes to heed from one nectar-rich flower to another, much like a shopper carefully planning the best route through a grocery store. Healy's team wanted to find out how they created these routes. Do they simply move from one visual target to the next? That's insight. Or do they learn a sequence knowing which items follow the current one? To find out, the researchers set up feeders with a nectar-like syrup in a valley in North America's Rocky Mountains, just in time for the hummingbirds to start arriving in May. Once they saw that a bird was consistently eating from a certain feeder and defending his territory from other birds, the scientists trapped and marked him for identification. Then they trained nine marked hummingbirds to feed from an artificial flower, a yellow foam disc on a wooden stake with a syrup-containing tube in the center. To see whether the animals had a sense of numerical order, the researchers lined up 10 identical artificial flowers. They put syrup in the first flower and watched to see where the hummingbirds went to feed. Unsurprisingly, the birds went almost uniformly to the first flower, sometimes giving the others a quick check to see whether they also held a tasty treat. Then the team began so that the position of the flowers couldn't give the birds information about which flower had the syrup. Even then, the birds chose the first flower in the line, suggesting they had a concept of first. And when the team repeated the entire experiment, but baited, say the third flower, the birds usually zoom straight toward the third flower. This suggests they knew the third flower in line, regardless of where the line actually was, had the tree. In all the findings, suggests that hummingbirds have a conception of numerical sequence and that they can use it to efficiently find food, the team reports today in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B. Birds inform us about the rest of the natural world, but we value them for much more than this. Over the millennia, and across all cultures, birds have given human beings inspiration, imagery, and companionship. Nowadays, bird watching is a major economic force in many places.
According to Steve Johnson, during the Cretaceous age, flowers began to evolve, colors and scents that signaled the presence of pollen to insects, who simultaneously evolved complex equipment to extract the pollen and inadvertently fertilize other flowers with pollen. That said, studies have shown that hummingbirds can remember migration routes, and every flower they've ever visited. They can also figure out how long to wait between visits so the flowers have time to generate more nectar. They can even recognize humans. Importantly, they are the smallest migrating bird. The name hummingbird comes from the humming noise their wings make as they beat so fast. Hummingbirds are the only birds that can only fly backwards, have no sense of smell. The average weight of a hummingbird is less than a nickel. Wikipedia defines a hummingbird as a tiny colorful tin beak bird. Get their name from the humming noise that occurs when they flap their wings very fast. It is reported that all 350 species of hummingbirds are natives of the New World, which includes North and South America, Sycar, the early 16th century during the European age of discovery. This way of life as it relates to hummingbirds according to Wikipedia, with about 360 species, they occur from Alaska to Taria del Fugo, but the vast majority of the species are found in the tropics. They are small birds with most species measuring 7.5 to 13 centimeters, 3 to 5 inches in length. The smallest extent human bird species is the 5 centimeter or 2.0 inch bee hummingbird, which weighs less than 2.0 gram or 0.07 ounces. The largest hummingbird species is the 23 centimeter or 9.1 inch giant hummingbird, weighing 18 to 24 grams, 0.63 to 0.85 ounces. They are specialized for feeding on flower nectar, but all species consume flying insects or spiders. They hover in midair at rapid wing flapping rates, which vary from around 12 beats per second in the largest species to around 80 per second in small hummingbirds. Of those species that have been measured during flying in wind tunnels, their top speeds exceed 15 meters per second or 54 kilometers per hour to 35 miles per hour. During courtship, some male species dive from 30 meters 100 feet of height above a female at speeds around 23 meters per second. Hummingbirds have the highest mass-specific metabolic rate of any homoritic animal. To conserve energy when food is scarce and nightly when not foraging, they can go into a torpor, a state similar to hibernation, and slow the metabolic rate to one 15th of its normal rate. The more I research this topic, I am unearthing more facts about the hummingbird. According to Melissa Mayans, brightly colored and mesmerizing hummingbirds are some of the most interesting of the nearly 10,000 bird species in the world. If you live in the United States, you've probably seen them fluttering around during the summertime, perhaps You've heard them too. A hummingbird's brilliant throat color is not caused by feather pigmentation, but rather by iridescence in the arrangement of the feathers, light level moisture, angle of viewing, wear and tear, and other factors all influence just how bright and colorful the throat may appear. Hummingbirds cannot walk or hop. Though their feet can be used to scoot sideways while they are perched, these birds have evolved smaller feet to be lighter, 
for more efficient flying. They will use their feet for itching and pruning, however. Hummingbirds have 1,000 to 1,500 feathers, the fewest number of feathers of any bird species in the world. Not only do they not need as many feathers because of their tiny size, but fewer feathers also keeps them more lightweight for easier flight. Roughly 25 to 30 percent of a hummingbird's weight is in its pectoral muscles. These are the broad chest muscles principally responsible for flying. An average hummingbird's heart rate is more than 1,200 beats per minute. In comparison, a human's average heart rate is only 60 to 100 beats per minute at rest. Hummingbirds have no sense of smell, but have very keen eyesight. Hummingbirds lay the smallest eggs of all birds. Their eggs measure less than half an inch long, but may represent as much as 10% of the mother's weight at the time the eggs are laid. A hummingbird egg is smaller than a jelly bean. In relation to their diet, a hummingbird must consume approximately one half of its weight in sugar daily, and the average hummingbird feeds five to eight times per hour. In addition to nectar, these birds also eat many small insects and spiders and may also sip tree sap or juice from broken fruits. Hummingbirds do not suck nectar through their long bills, instead they lick it with fringe forked tongues. Capillary action along the fringe of their tongue helps draw nectar up into their throats as they can swallow. A hummingbird can lick 10 to 15 times per second while feeding. Hummingbirds digest natural sucrose, the sugar found in floral nectar, in 20 minutes with 97% efficiency for converting the sugar into energy. A hummingbird's maximum forward flight speed is 30 miles per hour. These birds can reach up to 60 miles per hour in a dive, and hummingbirds have many adaptations for unique flight. A hummingbird's wings beat between 50 to 200 flaps per second, depending on the direction of flight, the purpose of their flight, and the surrounding air conditions. The ruby-throated hummingbird flies 500 miles non-stop across the Gulf of Mexico during both its spring and fall migrations. You might have heard that these tidy birds ride on the back of other birds during migration. This is a myth. They fly this distance entirely on their own. The peak fall migration period for hummingbirds is from mid-July through August or early September, depending on the route and the exact species. Species that nest further north begin migration earlier. At rest, a hummingbird takes an average of 250 breaths per minute. Their breathing space will increase when they are in flight. Depending on the species, habitat conditions, predators, and other threats to hummingbirds, the average lifespan of a wild hummingbird is 3 to 12 years. In According to Georgia State University, when it comes to being willing to explore more efficient options to solving a problem, monkeys exhibit more cognitive flexibility than humans, according to a study by Georgia State University psychology researchers. I quote, We are a unique species and have various ways in which we are exceptionally different from every other creature on the planet, said Julia Watzak. End quote, said Julia Watzak, a graduate student in psychology at Georgia State. I quote, but we are also sometimes really dumb. Watzak was the lead author of a paper published in Scientific Reports, illustrating how Capuchin and Rhesus 
Marked Monkeys, reports Watzak was the lead author of a paper published in Scientific Reports illustrating how Copperchian and Rhesus Marked Monkeys were significantly less susceptible than humans to cognitive set bias when presented a chance to switch to a more efficient option. The research results supported earlier studies with fellow primates, baboons and chimpanzees, who also showed a greater willingness to use optional shortcuts to earn a treat compared to humans who persisted in using a familiar learned strategy despite its relative inefficiency. I quote, I think we are less and less surprised when primates outsmart humans sometimes, end quote. Watztek said, the tests involve establishing a specific strategy to lead to a solution. Trial and error using a computer, monkeys and humans had to follow a pattern by pushing a striped square, then a dotted square, and then when it appeared, a triangular, a triangle to achieve the goal and receive a reward. For the humans, the reward was either a jingle or points to let them know they got it right. For the monkeys, it was a banana pellet. Wrong results got a brief time out and no reward. After the strategy was learned, subsequent trials presented the triangle option immediately without having to push the pattern squares in sequence. All of the monkeys quickly used a shortcut while 61% of the humans did not. In fact, 70% of all the monkeys used the shortcut the very first time it was available compared to only one human. The study involved 56 humans, 22 Copachian and 7 Rhesus monkeys. There is a heavy reliance on road learning and doing it the way you were taught and to specifically not take the shortcut. Watzak said of the human subjects, I quote, more of the humans do take the shortcut after seeing a video of somebody taking the shortcut. About 30% still don't. End quote. Watzak said, in another version, we told them they shouldn't be afraid to try something new. More of them did use a shortcut then, but many of them still didn't. The study illustrates how humans can suffer from learned biases that can lead us to make inefficient decisions and miss opportunities. Often, sticking with what's familiar and proven, like a commuting route to work, isn't a big deal if a low cost over an alternative. Other times, using inefficient bias or outdated practices could have a far-reaching consequences. Because of the close relationship between humans and other animals throughout history, all cultures have used animals to reflect the nature of humanity and to symbolize societal and individual human characteristics. Merrill, 1990. Green monkeys can be found all across Barbados. These mischievous little creatures, particularly everywhere in Barbados, included in the gullies that run across the island and even in people's gardens, where much natural vegetation and woodlands still exist. According to Retarin in Paradise, I quote, The monkeys have been in Barbados for about 350 years, brought here as pets from West Africa. However, they have adapted through the 75 or so generations and are uniquely Bajan, end quote. According to Wikipedia, the study of plant cognition stems from the idea that plants are able to learn and adapt to their environment with only a stimulus, integration, and response system. While proven that plants do indeed lack a brain and the function of a conscious working nervous system, plants are still somehow capable of adapting to their environment and changing the integration pathway that would ultimately lead to how a plant decides to take response to the presented stimulus.
This raises issues of plant intelligence, which is defined to be able to actively adapt to any stimulus presented to the species from the environment. Plants are therefore clever in sensing the environmental stimulus, for example, young sunflowers that face the sun for their growth. Certain trees mark the location for social gathering and political meetings. Trees provide ingredients for a number of food dishes of cultural importance. Products from certain trees may also be highly symbolic. Trees that have attained a sacred status in their own right. Threaten trees and culture, according to R. Ian Harker, tree trunks are often curved as a result of external factors, including catastrophic events, the availability of light and soil creep. Where trees with curved trunks due to soil creep can be recognized, they may provide a useful indication of slope instability. Trees with trunks, which are curved down slope to resemble kidneries, probably owe their shape to down slope soil creep. Sharp curves in tree trunks are usually the result of catastrophic events. Also, phototropism may cause shade intolerant trees to grow with gentle curved trunks. Such curves are quite from those induced by soil creep. It should be noted that from flat, stable soil, trees and many other plants tend to emerge with straight vertical stems because their growth hormones are strongly influenced by gravity. Since plant growth is also controlled by the availability and sometimes the direction of light, the resultant stem growth results from a combination of these geotropic and phototropic effects. The trunks of shade intolerant trees tend to bow toward the light and they emerge from the shadows of the elders. They may begin to straighten up. Approaching the verticals, the geotropic effect prevails. The trunks of such mature trees have a characteristic curve in which, rising up the tree, the angle between the trunk axis and the vertical above ground first increases. Here is called the I-curve and then eventually decreases herein called a D-curve. Skater and Forster, Buhumil Kusre, suspect the plants grow more leaves and branches in the direction of the sun, which is to the south and the northern hemisphere. At the end of the day, despite the curved display by trees, it should be noted According to BenightClimate.com, trees stand inconspicuously in silence at a glance. We are missing so much of all the action trees are involved in. A case in point, trees are a magical convergence of symbiotic networks where they serve a magnitude of functions. Trees seed rain clouds. Trees communicate with neighboring plants and trees. Trees distribute and share nutrients with other trees, plants and fungi. Trees provide habitat to animals and insects. Trees build healthy soil horizons. Trees filter water. Trees provide food. Trees provide fuel. Trees provide shelter. Trees provide fiber. Trees provide resin. Trees provide biomass. Trees provide timber. Trees provide medicine. Trees filter air. Trees regulate temperature and microclimates. And trees regulate hydrological cycles. Gravity pulls the branches downward and branch growth is affected by the wind. Part of the trade-off any tree has to make is between gathering light, staying stable in the wind and succeeding against nearby competitors. So when branches grow crookedly, that's part of a tree's overall survival strategy. The sea has been the main artery of cultural transformations throughout history. Throughout history, the seas and oceans of the world 
have been essential for the exchange of goods, people, ideas and religion. Human reactions to the sea are found in, for example, literature, art, poetry, film, theatre and classical music as well as mythology and the psychotherapeutic interpretation of dreams, ships, crowds gathering at the launch of a new ship, people congregating at the arrival or departure of a vessel and the general attitude towards maritime matters. Trade and exchange of ideas and neighboring nations is one of the means by which civilizations advance and evolve. This happened widely among the ancient peoples living in lands bordering the Mediterranean Sea as well as in India, China and other Southeast Asian nations. The World Oceans Day takes place every 8th June. The importance of the sea to maritime nations is shown by the intrusions it makes into their culture, its inclusion in myth and legend, its mention in proverbs and folk song. The use of ships is void suffering, the importance of ships and the sea in initiation ceremonies and in mortuary rites, children playing with toy boats and adults making model. The inclination of the Earth's rotation axis causes the position of sunset and sunrise to change every day. The maximum angular distance between two sunsets is the angle between two solstices. After that, the angle increases according to the absolute value of the latitude until it causes the midnight sun in polar areas. Watching the sunset in the evening is a perfect way to unwind after a long day and it gives people the chance to reflect on the past, present and the future. Enjoying the beautiful hues of the sunset is good for the mind, body and soul and quite a treat for the eyes as well. Science tells us that the essence of a beautiful sunset is the cloud layer, specifically the clouds at the upper and lower levels. The brilliant colors that are reflected in the clouds take on the red and orange hues of the setting sun. Sundown seems to embody the sheer power of an utterly romantic point in time. Just like love at first sight, it takes your breath away leaves you speechless and, if only for a moment, slows down time. In that instant, you feel the love and the gratitude for Mother Nature exude from every inch of your body. Some common adjectives describing sunset are awesome, glorious, cloudy, winter, yellow, gorgeous, mellow, twilight, gently, bright, great, spectacular and splendid. When a beam of sunlight strikes a molecule in the atmosphere, what's called scattering occurs, sending some of the light's wavelengths off in different directions. This happens millions of times before that beam gets to your eyeball at sunset. The colors of the sunset result from a phenomenon called scattering. Molecules and small particles in the atmosphere change the direction of light rays, causing them to scatter. Scattering affects the color of light coming from the sky, but the details are determined by the wavelength of the light and the size of the particle. It's often written that natural and man-made dust and pollution cause colorful sunrises and sunsets. Indeed, the brilliant twilight afterglows that flow major volcanic eruptions owe their existence to the ejection of small particles high into the atmosphere. It is that tropospheric aerosols, when present in abundance in the lower atmosphere, as they often are over urban and continental areas, do not enhance sky colors. They subdue them. Clean air is, in fact, the main ingredient common 
to brightly colored sunrises and sunsets. Everyone at one time or another has marveled at the beautiful red and orange colors of a sunrise or sunset. Although colorful sunrises and sunsets can be seen anywhere, certain parts of the world are especially famous for their twilight hues. For example, one could amass a respectable collection of Caribbean or Hawaiian sunset postcards in just one trip. Eye-catching sunrises and sunsets also seem to favor certain times of the year. According to BYJUS.com, reported to provide honey, is the most valuable nutritional food, provides beeswax, which is used in many industries, including cosmetic industries, polishing industries, pharmaceutical industries, etc., plays an excellent role in pollination. Although there are multiple ways to remove bees, one of the most efficient and safe ways to complete the task is to use a bee vacuum. The vacuum does just that. The setup is simple. There is a long hose used to suck the bees out of the area, which dumps them into a container about the size of a five-gallon paint bucket. Honeybees have been in crisis since 2006, when beekeepers first reported the sudden disappearances of entire colonies. Beehives were found abandoned with no sign of life except a solitary queen, and scientists were mystified. Today, this phenomenon is known as colony collapse disorder, but the causes behind is still aren't understood. Beekeepers continue to lose up to 45% of their hives every winter while trying to manage threats from several directions. Some plants symbolically represent a country as the national symbol. For example, the national flower of our island Barbados, the national flower of our island Barbados is the pride of Barbados or the dwarf poinsettia. It's native to tropics and subtropics of the Americas, but can also be found in India and the Philippines. The plant grows to approximately nine feet tall and bears flowers that are red and yellow with five petals. Other variations of the plant can be found in different colors. The fruit of the tree is a pod that grows between six to 12 centimeters long. The pride of Barbados flowers for most of the year, branches are prickly and the leaves are large with many leaflets. Each flower is about one and a half inches across with five sepals. The ten stamens are long and the pistils project from the center of the flower. The fifth petal is far smaller than the other four. The stamens have colored filaments with anthems at the tips. However, the eleventh filament bears a stigma and is the style. Leaves provide food and air to help a plant stay healthy and grow. Through photosynthesis, leaves turn light energy into food. Through pores or stomata, leaves breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. Leaves also release excess water, much like we sweat. Discolored breadfruit leaves soft rot is a fungal disease that causes wilting and yellowing of breadfruit leaves. It is essentially common after long rainstorms when the soil is starved of oxygen. The waterborne spores are spread by rain splash, often occurring during windy, wet weather. However, the tree is subject to soft rot, a fungal disease that may cause yellow or brown breadfruit leaves. The this fungal disease is moisture-related, but conversely, excessively dry soil can also cause yellow or brown breadfruit leaves. That said, breadfruit leaf, not only the fruit, the leaf also have many health benefits. Indonesian people use the young leaves as vegetables, eaten raw or made into curry, and livestock foods especially 
as goats or sheep's food. Breadfruit is a big round fruit native to Indonesia and Polynesia. The plant grows well in tropical country with high rainfall. Breadfruit is used as a source of carbohydrate in Pacific Islands. In Indonesia, the young fruit is used to make chips, the ripe one to make fritters or cakes. In Barbados, it is used to make breadfruit cuckoo. Not only the fruit, the leaf also have many health benefits. Indonesian people use the young leaves as vegetables, eaten raw or made into curry, and livestock's foods, especially as goats or sheep's food. Chinese herbalists use the leaves to make tea to cure diseases. Kowoki green coconuts are the same variety as the brown hairy ones, with which you may be more familiar. The difference lies in the age of the coconut. Green coconuts are young and not completely ripened, while brown ones are fully mature. Green coconuts have far less meat than mature ones. Also, why are some coconuts green and some hairy? Young coconuts have either a white husk or a green shell and possesses larger amounts of coconut water and softer meat. On the other hand, mature coconuts, the brown and hairy variety, have less water and firmer meat. One may also ask, can you eat green coconuts? In fact, the brown mature coconuts are left lying on the forest floor fodder for whatever can manage to get it open. Typically, the green coconuts are eaten with a green outer husk and gelinitis inner meat. The water of the young coconut is especially prized. Furthermore, which coconut water is best, green or brown? Generally speaking, a big green coconut has more water than a brown one. So, if you are interested in drinking the water, the green one is the best. However, if you want to use the coconut flesh for cooking, choose the brown one. It, it has better culinary uses in Indian style cooking. Why do coconuts go brown? The color of the coconut husk is also a good indication of ripeness. Immature coconuts that are mostly filled with coconut water are bright green in color. The husk slowly turns to brown as the fruits mature. At peak maturity, when the coconut meat has hardened, the outer husk is solid brown throughout of the day. It is reported by ccsnet.org that cultural benefits and traditions influence the consumption and the preparation of certain foods, especially in special times in different cultures. Religion and traditions in different cultures lead to restrictions of some food from the diet. Culture and religion influences food consumption patterns. Global Observe has made the telling point. Culture has been part of our lives and communities since the day we were born. However, most of the time, this is not something that we acknowledge. Once we start thinking about it and analyze ourselves, only then we can start to perceive what culture exactly is. For example, according to Wikipedia, culture is a way of life of a group of people. It is what they do daily and how they behave. This can be related through writings, types of religions, music, clothes, cooking and more. Each region or country is differentiated by its way of doing different stuff. Now, go back to the original meaning of culture and its etymology. The word comes from the Latin creole and means to cultivate or to till. What most people might presume is that we have different types of cultures and that not everyone is the same. In fact, most anthropologists divide the term into two main branches, the acquired and the innate culture. Innate culture is everywhere that we are born 
with and that no one taught us to do. Culture and society are intricately related. A culture consists of the objects of a society, whereas a society consists of the people who share a common culture. When the terms culture and society first acquired their current meanings, most people in the world worked and live in small groups in the same locale. Culture helps us make sense of our social worlds and shapes our actions, thoughts and feelings. For example, culture plays a role in the way we experience emotions, construct our self-concepts, and learn and problem-solve. Culture shapes people's identities and strengths, social cohesion, and it divides societies. It builds bridges between groups and peoples. It creates peace, and it is a significant economic player. Your culture is like water, and you are the fish. You are mostly unaware of the cultural values you hold until you interact with others of a different culture or learn of other cultures through education and investigation. Your cultural matrix initially provides you with a worldview, value system, and a way of interacting with people of your own culture is the view espoused by Quota.com. Culture and society are inextricably linked. Since the 1960s, the concept of cultural landscape has been widely used in human geography, of which cultural geography is a part, anthropology, environmental management, and other related fields. Sewer 1925, Web 1987. That said, contextually speaking, according to BarbadosPocketGuide.com, the parish of St. Andrew in Barbados is well known for its rugged terrain and the composition of its land, which is comprised of mostly clay deposits. No wonder. Then that pottery has been a well-defined and practiced industry for hundreds of years, way back from the 19th century in the area of Chalky Mount in the same parish. Chalky Mount is a quiet rural village located in the parish of St. Andrew in the northern eastern part of Barbados. It should be noted, although many naturally occurring deposits include both stilts and clay, clays are distinguished from other fine grain soils by differences in size and mineralogy. Yet, clay is a very common substance. Clay is the oldest known ceramic material. Prehistoric humans discovered the useful properties of clay and use it for making pottery. Some of the earliest pottery shards have been dated to around 14,000 BC and clay tablets were the first known writing medium. Clay is used in many modern industrial processes such as paper making, cement production and chemical filtering. Between one and a half and two-thirds of the world's population live or work in buildings made with clay often baked into brick as an essential part of its load-bearing structure. Clay is used in many modern industrial processes, such as paper making, cement production, and chemical filtering. Between one and a half and two-thirds of the world's population live or work in buildings made with clay, often baked into brick as an essential part of its loading-bearing structure. Overall, the landscape in the parish of St. Andrew Barbados over the years, seemingly according to NPS.gov, Gov, whose use, construction, or physical layout reflects endemic traditions, customs, beliefs, or values in which the expression of cultural values, social behavior, and individual actions over time is manifested in physical features and materials, and the interrelationships including patterns of spatial a view espoused by NPS.gov. It's reported by World Ocean Observatory 
The ocean has played a powerful role in the process throughout time, sustaining us, connecting us, and shaping us as nations, tribes, and individuals. Further, it is also noted that according to smea.uw.edu, not only does it provide a source of food for countless communities, but it also supports the livelihoods of many, including small-scale subsistence, the commercial fishermen, and those involved in the tourism industry. The ocean is where life began, and where many of us say goodbye to those who have passed on. According to mano.hawaii.edu, there is a perception that global citizens always had a complex relationship with the ocean. The ocean affects every human life. It supplies fresh water and oxygen, moderates the climate, influences our weather, and affects human health. We rely on the ocean for food and transportation. The ocean is never still. A wave is a flow or transfer of energy in the form of oscillation through a medium, space, or mass. Sea waves or tides, a song which we hear, a photon of light traveling, and even the movement of small plants blown by the wind are all examples of different types of waves has always fascinated me as a phenomena. Or wave power is the transport and capture of energy by ocean surface waves. The energy captured is then used by all different kinds of useful work, including electricity, generation, water desalination, and pumping of water. In this environment, there is a school of thought which suggests that ever since the Egyptians discovered, admired, and cultivated the many marvelous attributes of cats about 4,000 years ago, humans have made cats an important part of their culture. Some societies have worshipped them, others have demonized them. In many societies, the cat maintains liminal status as both a domestic and a wild animal. An adaptive push and pull between wild and domestic traits corresponds with dual roles as companions and pest controllers and with conflicted treatment in husbandry, management, law and public discourse. Cats represented freedom and independence. In literature, cats symbolize both positive and negative aspects. When one looks at it as a symbol of the feminine, it contains positive aspects like the spiritual instinct, fertility, richness and healing. On the other hand, it also represents destructive and negative aspects like darkness and sorcery. Cats can be viewed as messengers of good omens, Persian, bad omens. It appears that cultural continuities regarding cat beliefs exist even between distant Muslim societies. Now that I have contextualized Bajan exploring, it appears from the information which I've gleaned as a result of this educational research is seemingly consistent with the practices of an expedition, scientists or explorers, a view which is also espoused by National Geographic. What was uniquely interesting on this journey, the more that I juxtapose the evidence and data gathered against the doctrine of cognitive science, cognitive bias, cinematography, culture, and photography, provided a platform to analyze whether within Western analytical philosophy, culture has not been a major topic of discussion. The purpose of cognitive science in this text, and by extension this podcast, was to understand the principles of intelligence with the hope to lead to a better comprehension of the mind and of learning and to develop intelligent devices. This thinking was juxtaposed against my cognitive development as an author, cinematographer, media arts specialist, licensed cultural practitioner, podcaster, and publisher because it means how I think, explore, 
and figure out. A Bajan explorer was captured and framed in 22 chapters in publication 282 and ventilated in podcast 149 in ISBN 9798 88627 585 8